We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yep. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Value Add Show with K&K. We have Chris Robinson from Acre Commercial here today. Robo! Yes, Robo. So we have uh, Chris Robinson here to kind of talk about how he works as a multifamily broker, and he's also an investor himself. So we just want to ask him some questions and give some tips on uh, how he sees the market and his kind of philosophy on buying units and all that good stuff. How long have you guys known each other? You knew each other for a long time ago. We just talked yeah. about this too when yeah. I was on Rob's. 15, yeah. 14. We did the apartment geek thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, two, I want to say. Yeah, it's right? been a long time. It's been around. It's been that right long. Mark Smith Chapel. Yeah. 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 Oh, he got in before you did. Yeah, yeah, I was doing financing back then too, but were you fairly new into brokerage at that time too? Yeah. yeah. I think we were both pretty fresh. I mean, yeah. I was as green as it comes, 20, yeah. 22 years old. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea what multifamily was. Yeah, I was 19. Like so I was like, buildings. Okay. You're like, yeah. your dad owns them. You're like, what? Yeah. Oh, is that what he does? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah it's kind of ironic how, how I fell into it. Yeah. So how did you like get into brokerage? Was it because of your family? And is that kind of what? Not really. I mean, I, I've seen the lifestyle that it's given my parents mm-hmm. and from buying units at a young age my father bought units in the 70s but it was more crazy isn't that crazy and like you know desirable locations for me it was wanting to be in a profession where i didn't have a boss yeah i just i felt like growing up i didn't do very well with jobs and crystal authority and you may be the same way way, probably but yeah so it was uh and then it came down to sales so it was like i remember getting out of college and it was merrill lynch i was talking to Northwestern uh, Mutual Life Insurance. Oh, okay. So it was like f- uh, there's like stocks and bonds, equity stuff, or life insurance. I didn't want to go talk about like dying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, it was, and really, you go to your circle. So it's like your parents' friends. Yeah, you know, it's your little circle. So I need you to sign that. here in case you die. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. give you a check. Like. And then I randomly was out at lunch. Um, with a guy, Luke Daniels, who's a who's a real good guy in more development real estate, a couple years older than me, La Jolla um, mm-hmm. person. And he made reference to commercial real estate, and the guys do well, a lot of money, brokerage. True. And then I, at that point, I just, I, I literally was 21 or 20, I think it was 22. I, was, I put a suit on, and I looked in the phone, the yellow pages under commercial real estate. I specifically remember doing this. Holy Dressed up in a smokes. suit and went into different offices asking if they were hiring or to talk to, like, the manager or whatever. And it was a fair amount of rejection where the market, I think, wasn't that good. O2 was kind of weird still. I yeah, O3 was getting better, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mark Smilchap had an opening, or they had a sen- couple seniors that wanted – a junior, ironically. So I started at M&M. Mark Smilchap, that was uh, uh, February or March of 02. Wow. Damn. It's yeah. just crazy it and seems like, that long ago. We need a multifamily broker. I didn't know what it was. Apartment's okay. My dad does that. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and then they, they asked, where do you want to focus? And it came down to, like, 
the per the area that wasn't being worked um, by other people in the office, and it was the South Bay. So okay. it was like National City, Chula Vista, Imperial Beach. Yeah. So I just started doing kind of like um, your blue collar, a little bit lower income areas, and they weren't as sexy as like North Park, Hillcrest, Pacific Beach. But I found that really cool because there weren't as many brokers looking for those or working those um, properties. Yeah. Or those areas. Because, I mean, the the business is just kind of like really developed too, like more people in it. It's just kind yeah. of boomed here. Well, yeah. Because the rents. Yeah. And everybody wants to move here. Correct. And when people move here, let's be honest, who the hell moves here and buys a house unless you have money? It's very rare. Well, I, I call it the social media phenomenon or, or impact because – you can go to Balboa Park and snap a photo of like palm trees and sunny blue skies, and then the whole world sees that as like San Diego. On <laughs> That's Instagram it, right? Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So it's like we have all this free advertising for San Diego. It's true. And good point. And I've been all over the world. Fortunately, you know, I feel yeah. really gra- grateful. But I come back here and I'm like, this place is amazing. This is home. I mean, it's like it's home. It's like being on vacation. Mexico, the ocean, yeah. the mountains, the desert, Orange County, L.A. I mean, you kind of have it's every, international <clears throat> airport. I mean, I don't even think we take advantage of it, you know, here. When we live here, we take it. We're just, like, so busy here. This is where you're – This they always say it's, like, where you live is where you make your money. So sometimes you just don't enjoy it. Like, yeah. if we literally came here to vacation and we didn't live here, we would enjoy it more than we do now. You know, it reminds me of a friend I was talking to maybe a month ago who, who makes it a point – once a week to spend a day going out and doing things like a tourist. So going to like cool. museums yeah. or like the zoo or uh, SeaWorld. It's, it's actually really cool. Yeah. Seaport Village. Yep. There's so many. I mean. Really the only time you do it is when you have friends coming in from out of town. It's like maybe then you go show them. Sh- yep. Yeah. These are the cool things. These are the you. spots. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. we never see that stuff. And Seaport Village, speaking of, has gotten really cool with like the new addition that they made with, you know, they've got. Um, Manchester, yeah. Dougie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude. Everything's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's just becoming – they're just bringing luxury here. Yeah. And so you're getting like that different um, you know, clientele. Then you're getting different people that live here. I mean, just think about San Diego. Go back go back when we used to go out when you were 21, 22, 23. And I always tell people, think about what restaurants there were, what clubs and bars. Yeah. It was like on Broadway yeah. and a couple other ones. There wasn't yeah. much. And then now go downtown. Yep. Or you have so many more options. Imagine in ten years, yeah, where this place is going to be. Yep, it's becoming more. And they're building more luxury. Than. Every every restaurant's ten million dollars, five million dollar build out. It's expensive, but that's the you know that's the clientele. We're near the border. People come across. They spend the money. Mm-hmm. We're getting international. The, so. What about the Bosa project? Pacific Gate is it? Oh, the, that thing uh, did well. Ultra high end <clears throat> place down yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's doing real well. Yeah, yeah, they're selling like them. A, there's like yeah. a yacht as part of the <laughs> yeah, amenities like, you can use and stuff. No, but so. that's just that's their. I mean, how much were the HOAs on that building? You were just talking about that. One of the clients owns in there. I won't mention names, but you know who it is. You know who it is. Um, Twenty four hundred dollars a month. Wow. Yeah. Just yeah. for the HOA. He was like, but ah! I guess you get the yacht. He was the like, yacht comes with it. But hey, that client. You know what? The the, yeah. Speaking of that client, they're in their eighties, and what do you know? They bought real estate in sixty five here. And they see this is what happens is this is the point is yeah. this is what you say it's long term. Yep. This is what people think about long term. They're eighty years old. They've got the cash flow. They can do whatever they want. 
there's no they're buying three million dollar condo whatever paying they don't care they're enjoying their life i think the problem that, that i see a lot is people are chasing immediate gratification like yeah. quick return totally. that's the other negative Big of social pops. media right it's like um, i want to buy this to show it off yeah it's an illusion yep yeah so it's like in san diego you have to think long term and you're going to make some return but it's not going to be too fancy up front the good thing is the values the thing that people need to understand that i don't i think is there there's a lot of ignorance is rents typically go up in san diego or i can almost say always go up yeah Maybe they stay flat for a year or two, but yeah. that's the one thing. You buy an asset, you're going to pay a big price, but you're going to get financing that's going to be fixed for a certain amount of time, yep. and then you can always refinance it and fix it again, and rent will go up. So, And we're in the, we're the what they call it, the four walls, um, Mexico, the ocean, the mountains, and Camp Pendleton. Yep. There's no... This is a spot that's like locked. Yeah. And to build here is a nightmare. Nightmare. Um you're, I mean, like you said, most people that come and move here, they want to be this side of what, 15? Right. This side of the 15. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. you said, most people that are looking online are like, oh, North Park, South Park, because this is what's cool. They're looking, what's the cool spot? It's like, mm-hmm. you're going to move here. PB, North Park, South Park. Like, yep. but also when you compare to like the rents so. in yeah. LA. Or the rents in the Bay Area to San Diego. San Diego looks cheap compared well, the to the Bay those Area. Places. That's so insane. That's why when people yeah. say like, "Oh, it's so expensive in San Diego," well, it seems expensive because you're only looking in San Diego, but you're not looking at even the rest of California or other states, other countries, other other cities where their rents are at. Like we definitely have room to run. Hundred percent. So, or they're moving from east. They're moving from like Las Vegas, right? Or- Phoenix or Arizona, Tucson. yeah. Like, oh my gosh, fifteen hundred bucks for a one bedroom. That's so expensive. But yeah, I think you make a good point, Crystal, because O C and LA are significantly more expensive and you're dealing with traffic, worse air quality. I mean, the quality of life down here I think is tenfold better. They they for said sure. somebody said they're right, they're like And the people are friendlier down yeah, here. Yeah, we're a lot more friendly. They said if Camp Pendleton wasn't Camp Pendleton, San Diego would not be what it is because because of how long it is, there would be required to be more population to bigger. Think about it. All that area. They said it would be so crowded here. It'd be like in LA. But because Camp Pendleton's there, think about it. All that it's land all protected. Exactly. So you can only, it would only, they would, it only going to be so big. So they could handle more here if they can just go up. Never thought about that. Yeah. So some guy, I forgot, some realtor guy was saying this whole study they did, if Camp Pendleton was not there, San Diego would just be a completely different place. Hmm. Think about the traffic going that way. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. It'd be a shit show. And it's already... It's already getting worse. Because you get into Pendleton, it's like, you know, for some of us, it's like the Autobahn. Yeah, <laughs> but, totally. So. I have a secret little, like, uh, funny thing that I t- t- tell myself when I'm stuck in traffic today... And I see how much worse the traffic is today versus like 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I'm never happy to be in traffic, but I always go, gosh, like I'm glad I own apartment complex. Yes. Yeah, Because this sure. is like a sign of more population growth, more people here. Oh, yeah. It's all trickling into people that need housing. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, housing prices, it's so expensive still for most people to stretch oh, into it's, a home. Oh, it's definitely way more expensive to own a home than it is to rent now. So yeah. not not even counting the fact that 
if you own a home, like that's a liability. You need to take care of the landscaping. You need to take care of the roof. You need to take care of, you know, the exterior, all those things. Like when things break, that's an additional cost. But just your mortgage and your HOA or whatever taxes, insurance, it's way more expensive to own than it is to rent. That's why I think a lot of people are kind of just renting. I mean, how can you buy a house now? So, so Chris, you you got, you got to inherit money or, you know, come in, like win a lottery. You've got to come in like a bunch of money yeah, or be a doctor making 800 grand a year. Most people that buy here too, that are young, they're getting money from their parents. Yeah. Um, Millennial. And that's why I like, buying apartment complexes where the renters will probably always be renters. Right. So yeah. kind of like lower income. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking that that class of people whatsoever. But I mean think about they but, but if it's a lot of kids where you own or we do, it's like, you know, millennials and stuff, they're just moving up and they're they're just moving up. It's like they're in college and they're gonna yeah. come that they're gonna start at Marcus and Millichap. They're gonna work their way up and become owners, but it's gonna take them you know, you move here, it could take you ten years. Yeah. You're just getting people in their first ten years. That could be your rent. Or the people that are always gonna stay there is I think more Yeah, no, there's those two. Yeah. yeah, I mean I think what I've been seeing is like in San Diego too, we're talking we were just talking the other day about like how much more housing is actually needed that there's a shortage now everybody's like talking about are we going into a recession that's a big oh, topic of that number. conversation yeah. and yeah you were talking about there's six surplus of units over billion. trillion right or what was it billion not, not trillion thousand million million okay 2.6 million in surplus though of like housing nationwide yep and then All now we're like a million two million short in deficit so why do why, why it's easy right. why we're there? Because but a lot of what they're building in San Diego is all this luxury stuff. Everywhere, so everywhere. I to your point, I'm like, okay, so you're building all this luxury stuff, like even um, like Broadstone or whatever up yeah. on Texas. I was looking, and it's almost like four thousand dollars for a two bedroom apartment, or you can that pay, make any sense. which is insane. I think they're going to struggle with that. Yeah, and they yeah. are. When the, I mean, when the economy sh- when the economy so shifts, when the economy shifts, and then yeah. it's going to be cheaper for you to go buy a house than to pay four thousand dollars for an apartment. Yeah. You know, then those people are going to be maybe in trouble. I mean, and then maybe at I that agree. point it'd be a good buy because you have a new building or whatever. But to be in that kind of stuff right now, I'd be really worried. So, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, Robo, Because that stuff will shift. You kind of have something interesting um, to me is you – because to talk about your dad and he was in the business, um, did he – has he had an influence on you? Like, like getting in the business – Buying apartments, and obviously you've seen him. He's been retired. I don't know how long, but his story is pretty interesting. But has that influenced you, like, to look at him? Be like, yeah, I should buy apartment buildings, and this is work for him, and definitely could work for me. Is like for the buying apartment buildings, one hundred percent. Yeah, for getting into brokerage, not no. not, not necessarily. That no. just, that was just more like, I don't want a boss. I want to make as much money as I want. Yeah, I'm gonna go sell something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, you want to make a lot of money, right? So then you're like yeah. sales. I have to basically be in sales and on commission yeah, to make I mean, money. I'm going to go sell yeah. uh, cell phones or life insurance, whatever. So commercial real estate worked. I just fell into that, though. The buying 100% has come from seeing what it's done with my dad and kind of the his little reminders as I grew up. Like, hey, I used to do like the, the books and balance the checkbooks. Oh really? Cool. Yeah. And so was it by see, hand? Like back I would then? see him paying. He did a bunch of seller financing, mm-hmm. so I, I would see mortgage payments to, you know, Sally Smith or whoever it was. And I'm going, what? Is, what is this? And he would kind of t- say, okay, well, this is the lender. This is the person I bought it from 20 years ago, whatever. And I pay them, you know, X per month, and that's the that's the loan payment. 
because he was doing a lot of the cellar debt. Or the gardener or the plumber, uh, Jeff Franklin Plumbing. Like I remember that always coming up. So your dad like so, would buy a building, never probably it. refinance it, just pay it off and buy yeah. another one, pay it off, buy another pay. He didn't do like a lot of us is you buy, you refi. It was a different strategy. Well, that's – I'm going to make another note because I was ta- – I met a really um, fascinating person. He actually founded um, WestJet. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Uh, Don Bell. Uh-huh. Um, he's, a, he's in Canada. Calgary, right? Yeah, he's out of Calgary and he's a uh, just a good guy and we, we skied with him and his son Jeff a bunch. But I was talking to him in, in length, in depth of, about real estate and they don't have the 1031 up there mm-hmm. in Canada. Yeah. So they don't have this like – they have something kind of – it's not even similar, and it doesn't really have the benefits. So I'm like, we have the biggest advantage of a 1031 tax-deferred exchange in, in the States. Insanity. It's crazy. I mean, you can literally start with three units. We won't name names, but we know people who four started units with four. That they have 5,000 now. And they have like 5K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they've never paid tax because they never sell, and they use that, that little IRS tool. Um, that's huge. And the other tool we're talking about, just so that everybody, the audience knows, is why you should be a real estate investor is you can sell this property, exchange it into this property, create value, and refi pull cash out that's tax-free, tax-free, and go buy another property, do it again, buy another property, do it again. So people yeah. go, how does that guy get to 200 units or 1,000 units or 4,000? Yeah. That's always the question. They basically, yeah. some people move at lightning speed and some people say, I'm going to do this over 20 years and they get to 100. But that's that's pretty much, I mean, yeah. you work basically with people leverage. like that. I mean, they're, you they're use either, leverage to grow. They're either yeah. selling the building, 1031 to another one, or refining, pulling cash and buying another one. Correct. That's the key. And the key really, I think, for, for being successful at this is try, it's hard, but try not to ever touch your principal, try to always take that money back out. Either put it in to rehab the building or buy another one. Or buy a Ferrari. Yeah, you can do that Or too. buy a Ferrari. <laughs> That's what we can listen to. Which you yeah. do once in a while. Yeah. yeah. You got to treat yourself once in a while. Well, yeah. like Robert Kiyosaki was saying, like, okay, so I want to buy this oh, Ferrari. Yeah, this funny. What asset do I have to buy to pay for the Ferrari? Right. So now I need to buy a 50-unit building to pay for the Ferrari or a, that's you know, that's probably just a 10-unit building. That's yeah. what he said. So Robert's like, I, I want to go buy a second home. His wife might go, okay, cool. We're going to buy a new asset to pay for that second home or whatever. Even though it might make more, that's once you get that mentality, I think people understand, you start thinking you doesn't mean you can't buy stuff. It means you've got to do something first before exactly. you buy. Exactly. Yeah. You've got to reward yourself. And the Ferrari came from refinance proceeds mm-hmm. from the Ta- from a from a tenure. Tax free. Tax free. So I didn't do anything with that car until I said, Okay, I'm, I've closed this deal and here's the refinance. This is like a reward. And you own several you other buildings before yeah, that, yeah. too. So, Guys, this isn't yeah. his first building. So yeah. he but, was saying once you get down the road, you oh, can yeah. do it. Yeah, no, yeah. I've been, yeah, I've been doing this yeah. since um, 06, I think. 06 yeah. That's 07. when you bought your first building? Yeah. So, oh. guys, so don't do it on your first year. Nice. Talk about rough that was. Almost got beat up a couple times. No, to answer, answer your question, my dad bought whole, bought and holds were pretty conservative. Uh-huh. But he did do 1031s. That's why it's okay. a tangent. So he, um, I think properties that he added a lot of value to quickly, like a four or a six unit, he would trade into a bigger building. Okay. Um, but generally he bought and hold, bought and held. And I think only if assets were maybe a little bit too much work or the expenses mm-hmm. were high or something, 
or it's just then a pain, you think, yeah, we just got to pain and manage. Then you just yeah, you, you try to you sell it at the biggest price yeah. and move on. Yeah. And what was your dad like? Um, back then, I know you probably have, we always talk about some crazy, cause to us, it's like just hearing the how price for a door is crazy. But I mean, I'm, I know you always say there's some crazy stories. Like, tell us about like how your dad, like the MLS was in like the, oh, in the book and then paperback. price per door. And I know even, even you would say like people tell your dad that seems expensive now. And they're like, I'm not going to buy. It was like, you know, or you're like, crazy for paying yeah, like, 10, 10 grand just, a unit for that deal. Just, just, it always seems expensive. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you could, you could, I, I tell some of my best clients, you could, you could overpay today for an apartment complex and you're going to be laughing in like five years and very, very happy that you did that. So you don't have to get like this crazy deal at any point. Um, but my my dad, when we were at the old office, brought in a 1979 MLS paperback book <laughs> of um, all the listings. And they would do it maybe like per week. It was like a phone So book, crazy. Like that's how you book. would have to. Yeah. He took it back. I'm like, oh, let's leave it here. He's like, no, I want it back. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's cool. It's really it's like, neat. Yeah. Vintage. But I looked through it, and the, the the most desirable parts of the county. Let's take the coast out of the picture. Okay, La Jolla, Carlsbad, but like campus, Cleveland Avenue, University Heights, Hillcrest, Robinson, like fifteen twenty thousand dollars per unit. Crazy. This is nineteen seventy nine, the year I was born, and the rents were. And this is for anybody that want is young and and is deciding whether to pay a big price for San Diego apartment complex, do it because it's going to be the exact same situation in 20 or 30 years when we're looking back. Right. Because history repeats itself and there's only more people moving here. I mean, people told your dad, I, I don't know if Matt told me they're like a friend, like that's crazy. Why are you paying 20 grand door? That's expensive. You're crazy. Yeah. And now Over they're price, like, uh, Oh my gosh, like what are you doing? But just and, like people do now. And it was the same yeah. thing. If you go talk to these old timers, they're, they didn't they were making very thin returns back then yeah so it wasn't like 20 percent returns but we were i remember we, we did a brewery tour with my dad and some friends and we were up there riding bikes around and he passed on a deal i think it was on campus which is a super good street west of park for like fifteen thousand a door or something it was like a it was like so a huffman funny it was like a newer huffman yes building. well Crazy. It, it's funny because you know when I did property management. I would have these clients that would buy these deals, and they'd always come like, "Crystal, how can we get the exp- the income up? Like, we're not making enough money on these deals." And I'm always like, "You guys are always every time you close on a deal, you're gonna think because you, especially if you're now in that mentality, you're a real estate investor. Like, you want to get a deal. It's all about the deal. So you always think when you close on a deal that you paid market price, which nobody wants to pay for. I overpaid. I paid market, whatever. And then, like you said, two, three, four years down the road, you're like, oh, this is actually a good deal. So yeah. it's like I'm always telling people, come back to me in a couple of years after this thing's cash flowing for you and you're increasing income and tell me if you still think it was a bad deal. Yep, 100%. So. It was like the building I was just telling you about with the client um, who bought that asset, paid top of market at one point three, um, a million three in Oceanside three years ago, and now it's worth a million five seventy five, maybe a million six on a good day. It's like, yeah, and he hasn't done really. And much. if you haven't done anything, all he's done is raise rents. He had a couple turnovers. He put some granite in the kitchens. Some minor, some little updates. Minor, yeah. It's a very. Um, if you're a people person and responsive and available and you know how to deal with people and, and treat them nice, 
it's a great business to build wealth in. Yeah. I always tell people if you're a super conservative investor, because I run into people all the time that act like real estate is so risky. For me, I'm like, if you're a super conservative investor, apartments are the perfect thing for you to invest in. They're never going to go anywhere. Yep. You're not going to, like, the lowest chance possible that you would lose money yeah. on the deal. Like, I think apartments is the smartest, safest investment for someone who doesn't want to be aggressive. Yep. I, I think it's the best product type. I mean, self-storage, I heard, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. that is good. Yeah. I would love to own it. a lot yeah. of it. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to get here. Man, it's tough. I've never had the opportunity. Uh, manufactured housing, mobile home parks, trailer parks, I've heard that are good. That too, for sure. But well, apartment complexes are just money. And we, and you probably too, have clients or people you know that own a bunch of homes. Mm-hmm. I met a guy in Mammoth, a younger real successful guy who owns like 25 homes off by state and he he came to me and it was like you know i wish i i wish i bought apartments yeah because they're a pain in the butt to manage and i thought about it i was on the chairlift up there i'm like you know if you have a house you have all these exterior walls four four walls four for walls every, fences yeah. landscaping roofs the, everything the gardener has to go to each place so there's no economy of scale as opposed to like a box of, of different units. Not a box, but it's a lot. Of, it's, I tell clients this all the time that aren't like, at that point yet of realizing that the like the single families are not a good investment. But I'm like, they leave, you're 100% vacant. There's yep. nobody else to pay that mortgage but you. Yep. And then if you have turnover, so whatever money you thought you even made, people look at things on an annual basis with single family. You can't do that. You need to look yep. at like on a 10-year scale because when you need to replace the roof or you have to paint or you have to do landscaping, like yeah. you're giving back all that cash flow that you got the year before or years before yep. if anything happens. Yep. I just think single families are a loser no matter and, what. And the, and the resale experience is a lot worse too. Mm-hmm. There's more exposure liability-wise. Mm-hmm. The disclosures are a pain in the butt. Yep. And if you want to go trade a house, you got to sell go all buy? of those. You right. Gotta, exactly. You have to time all that to You have to orchestrate this whole situation or do a to sell. Portfolio. Yeah. And yeah. Then you, you, sell at you know who? Um, and then it's got to be vacant, probably, if you want homeowners to buy it. So then you're sitting there on the market vacant with no income. I mean, there's just a million. We see. Reasons. I see it all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dean, uh, what's his Dean DeGracia? You know him? Uh, I don't think so. You probably see him. He has the glasses. He has the real estate. He used to have like the on um, what do you call him? He has like, he's really big, but he's like a real estate coach and had the info commercials growing when you're growing up. Yeah. You see, if I showed you pictures of him, he was Grant Cardone was interviewing him and he was like, he had bought, you know, he had the 2,500, 3,000 homes. And he's like, told Grant, he's like, I'm selling them. He's like, this is a nightmare to manage them. Yeah. He's like, I'm going, and he's like later in his career, he's like, I'm going to multifamily. He told Grant, I wish I would have bought multifamily from day one because yeah. you'd have made way more money you just do and scalability is faster like he's got to sell all those figure it all out package a deal exchanging something else it's a nightmare could you yep. imagine yeah it's like individual inspection and a lot of people hold off yep. on even doing it so they they stop they slow down their own growth because they just don't want to deal with the the pain of it all 2500 yeah. inspections 2500 yeah. appraisals yeah i mean <laughs> it's like yeah how about there's every house is a little termite it's just a nightmare yeah so what do I you, agree. Apartments is, is the way to what, go. What, do you, what advice do you give somebody? I mean, you, do you get people that are coming to you? I mean, um, you've been doing this a long time, but you're getting people that's like fresh, never bought apartment building. I want to invest. They've got some money. What's the typical advice you're giving to somebody that's like fresh off the boat, as we say, like getting an apartment? That's new. That's, that's a new um, – Yeah, owner. It's a new experience for them. Yep. Um, to not get emotional when it comes to the um, – the, the look 
or or the mm-hmm. you know I sure. think people focus on really nice locations. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want something. In they want something that they're like proud to show Hillcrest everybody. Yeah. Pride of ownership type I thing. I want to place because I go to the coffee shop down the street. <laughs> like, that's great, but yeah. it's just so expensive and it's hard to stretch with the down payment to get into that. So I read an article yesterday. Uh, I forget who published it, but it, it was about is reinforcing the fundamentals of of working class apartments. So stuff that's not fancy, mm-hmm. but it's near the bread and butters. We a call major, it major um, El Cajon Boulevard University, right. yeah. or it's it's off of a freeway. So uh, Lemon Grove, La Mesa, Chula Vista, National City, Vista, Escondido, mm-hmm. those areas um, I really like. And I also speak Spanish, so I, I, um, I've always liked the Hispanic Latin Monty smiling over there. culture. Well, yeah, Monty. <laughs> so, <laughs> Latina. So I, so I like dealing with that tenant profile. I yeah. like Hispanic people. They pay. Mexican people, whatever. Like they people? pay. They're good people. They like the gringos. Um, Usually family-oriented. Family-oriented. Yeah. A lot of them are Christian, you know, whatever that, that means. So, yeah, they don't want to cause a whole lot of – Problems and they're not right. cooking meth in the kitchen or doing like really weird <laughs> stuff. You know? We've had that too. Yeah, <laughs> people that. think it's yeah. like I mean, you know, you're in apartments, you've seen it all. Like, I don't think people. I don't realize. know when you think you've seen it all, you haven't seen it all. Actually, yeah, they blow so. up the kitchen. Yeah. So I would focus on something that is, and it's older. That's okay too. Just do an inspection. Yeah. Look at the plumbing. Um, put a camera down the main sewer line so you know you don't have to do. That's a big expense that I've had to deal with twice because I was young and I didn't know. Yowzers. Yeah. When the main is old, you know, so that's, and then you got to dredge it all out. Yeah. Um, Do basic stuff like that and then just focus on, on working class areas that are not super rough, but they're, they're, I call them like B minus C plus. Yeah. I agree. All day long. I agree. Great. And what's your strategy then um, typically to somebody that's maybe acquired, you know, two or three properties, apartment buildings. And they want to grow. And they want to, they come to you and say, hey, look, we've got some equity in them. We want to start trading up. We want to start build. Like, you know, some people, you know, you get to a point where they're like, I've got some, but they're like, okay, I got to start thinking, I get the cash flow up. I'm in 20 years, got to retire. They got to start mapping this stuff out. You just can't wait till, you know, two years before you're going to retire and just start buying. So, how do you – what's your strategy on starting to build that portfolio and what's your advice to people? Um, that's, a good, that's a good question. We talked about refinancing. If you have a property that's just a really great experience to run it and manage it and you're like, I, I will never sell this, um, then refinance it every like three, two to three years. Yeah. I've got a fourplex in North Park I've refinanced like four times. Mm-hmm. I've only owned it for like eight years. Cash out. Yeah, cash and then, out. And then put so, that money to work. And then and then put that money to work because that's tax-free, assuming you never sell the asset. Um, take that out tax-free. Use that as a down payment for another property. Mm-hmm. Continue working your day job. For me, it's real estate brokerage, making uh, commissions on closed deals or whatever you do, teacher, doctor, you sell insurance, whatever, um, and then just couple that all together. Um 1031 exchange, though, we talked about that. I mean, that's a huge benefit that we have. And a lot of clients are, and it really frustrates me. Actually, yesterday it kind of pissed me off with a couple of clients who are like, I won't sell until I find my ideal up leg where I know I'm going to go. So we call it carriage before the horse syndrome. Yeah. That's good. No, it's true. Because it's true. And it's like, you know, 
you've got to work with a broker who's super proactive. You build extensions into the escrow. Yep. So you've got a ton of shopping time. And at the end of the day, I've done, I don't know, five or six 1031 exchanges. They're never comfortable. You guys have probably done the same. But you you figure it out and you put and you just you put in the extra energy and you call all the contacts, you send letters out, whatever, and you end up finding deals. Well, I always like I kind of say that to people all the time too, because it's like, sure it's gonna be uncomfortable, but whenever were you trying to get to the next step in your life or your career, the next chapter, was it comfortable for you? So yeah, like when you wanted to start a new career, that was uncomfortable. You had to do things you were, that were new to you. It's like the same thing with a 1031 exchange. You want to try and play with the big boys then you got to go do the big boy things. So it's like, it's like, I want to be stronger and and like buffer, but I don't want to work out. (laughs) I got to go to the gym and feel the pain of like lifting heavy weights. Right. Yeah. Right. I think the other thing too, is people forget for your, for your job, when you're in exchange, right, and somebody trusts you to celebrate an exchange, that's a lot of pressure on you. So you take it seriously. You're like, okay, I got to hustle. I got to find something. Yeah. But the other thing is when they're not in an exchange, they're like, oh, I found a building. Like, well, here's the problem is that guy's willing to sell it to me. I have a relationship. But he's like, you haven't even listed the damn building. Exactly. So yep. they're not taking another, seriously. There's three other people behind them that are like, they're in exchange. I tell people that every time. So yeah. Yeah. The, the guy that's- You've already s- got your good client list. Why are you going to work with someone who won't even put the faith in you to list their property and help you find a new one? But yeah. here's the thing. For you, when you're, for me, in my opinion, is is like, and you know, this is to people that are not doing this, is they go into exchange. They're going to buy this property over here. For you, you're like, look, he's in exchange. We got 30 days. This seller knows that you're serious. Like yeah. They're like, oh, we're going to list and we're going to help sell. There's no seriousness because you're competing. This is a competitive market. It's not like they're the only buyer. And I think people forget that. The chances of them finding a great deal that's somebody willing to wait is like in this in San Diego is slim to none. Yeah. We're not in Nebraska where maybe you can no, do that. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's no. like, in, oh, in theory, oh, it makes sense. I can do that. But right. it doesn't work like that. And I can say in 17 years of brokerage, I've never had – this is if you stay in San Diego, I've never had, had a failed 1031 exchange. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I had a, that's a good I testament. Had a client that went to um, Ohio once and bought a huge asset and did not do well with that. But that was against my advice to go into a pretty – it was a seedy market. <laughs> yeah. This was like – 15 years ago, 14 years I'm ago. always like nervous when clients come to us and say, oh, what do you think if I buy a property in, yeah, Ohio or Kansas? It's a 13 cap and you're like, mm, it's, I think that's too good to be true. I mean, what's your vacancy factor over there? How, how are we going to find a good management company? What if the management goes bad? I mean, all those things, your 13 cap just went back down to like a five cap and you're flying to Ohio to see your property. And you have elements that yeah. you have nothing, you, know, yeah. you don't know about. You yeah. have snow. Right. You have huge central boilers. What if those go out? Yeah. Like, all kinds of mess. You And you have logis- or you have uh, uh, politics and, and property tax situation yep. that you don't – it's all new. Right. And here in your backyard, the thing too is like, for example, you know that there are better streets to own on in National City or Chula Vista. Like you know down to probably the block of like which blocks are better and not. When you're going to a market like that, you're going to have to rely on someone else and you're not really going to be able to do your research like you know in the city that you live. Yeah. So that's the other thing that I feel like p- these people that are trying to go out. I mean, there are, of course, syndicators and companies that are owning all over the country, but they have like analysts and people flying and going and visiting and developing these relationships and they're running statistics and they're, they have all this 
access to information that allows them to do that. I think when you're just a a guy trying to buy apartments, trying to grow your portfolio, that is just not a smart way. It's like playing roulette, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, You want to buy as big a properties as you can. And I just had a a, a little visual that I thought I'd share. So I think the ultra-conservative way is to buy and hold. You never sell anything. Right. You never refinance it, whatever. You buy and just pay it off. Yeah. Second would be purchase and then refinance as much as you can and then buy more units, but you don't you never sell anything. Right. The third, which which I like, I'm kind of in between the second and third, is to purchase, refinance the good properties, the ones you kind of you really want to hold on to, but then also sell properties where you're like, ah, I'm not in love with this building. Maybe the cash flow is not really good. The tenants cause me problems. It's not running like you hoped it yeah, to. Yeah, the experience is like a little bit of a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Then push that value, whatever, put it on the market, work with a broker who's going to uh, be super proactive, who's in the office, build some extensions into the escrow so you have more shopping time before the IRS clock starts for 1031. And then go parlay that into a bigger building. Right. Yeah. That That's the way to do it. That's how you grow. I had a little triplex on Birch Street down here. And it was it worked, but it was a pain in the butt with with um, tenants that were paying late. There was a cockroach problem in a, in a unit. I just was over it. Yeah. And I sold that and ended up finding an opportunity um, through a guy in my office who got compensated. Um, nine units in Vista. Sick. Oh, that's about like the nine years. built in yeah. equity there. That's a good spot, Vista, too. I love Vista. Built in yeah. equity there. The cash flow is um, better. It's not like it's not amazing, but it's better. Yeah. And it's, now I've got nine hey, it's units. it's a step up. Yeah, yeah, nine units as opposed to three. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's what you do. I mean, that's kind of our philosophy, too, is I mean, we, we always think every time, like, okay, this time we're going to keep the properties. We're supposed to keep the yeah. properties. But then I feel like because we like to do the rehab, we kind of max them out. And I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be a while. Like, I just maxed these out. I rehabbed we every unit. The, we, we tapped we out the value. We are charging the highest rents. Like, somebody told us one time before, a unit's only new one time. So I yeah. feel like you kind of get the best out of that yeah. um, that you're going to get for a while. So now we're like, okay, we pretty much doubled our down payment, which is kind of cool. And now we can sell it and move into the next bigger thing. So, you know, that's kind of how we've done it. But we've we've leveraged too. So we kind of do both. We do the like one, yeah, two. Yeah, you're doing the two and three. Yeah. yeah. We, and you're also using the, those big rents and you're basically attaching that to a cap rate right. to push exactly. the value. Yep. And I think you need to ask yourself, would you pay that those prices for those assets? And if the answer is no – then maybe sell them and go into something where you can add The answer is no for us. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the answer is for yeah, us. Yeah, no, to be honest, but somebody – Because we like but, to go in and – we but, like but, to go in and add the value, so that's – But some people you know, also – Some like, people don't want to do that. Don't if do you're a doctor or a lawyer – Because the work's a pain need... in the ass. It is. It is. Yeah. They don't want to yeah. do it. Yeah, you what, guys did that. Yeah. What's, um, what's some of like – because obviously you've been doing this a long time. You got to meet a lot of the big owners and all that, which is awesome. you need a water? No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. We can get you a water. I'm good. Thanks. Um. What's some of the best advice you get from some of these big apartment owners that everybody kind of, you know, we don't mean mention names that people look up to, but what is the stuff you probably learned from them and um, you take away and it's helped you in your career and, you know, doing what you do? Stay on top of management. Go drive by your buildings once in a while um, if you're not if you're not super hands-on. I think it's going to come back to focusing on cash flow and the numbers and not having to be in an area where you're like, oh, I, I can live here 
it doesn't need to be like that. Some of the some owners um, who live in the fanciest places in town own all the all or most of their units in, C's. in like C's and D's. total low income areas. And that, that doesn't mean they're slumlords whatsoever. Yeah. They have nice buildings. They maintain there. their assets, and yeah. they're they're actually the, the tenants are are happy there. But it's you can't get emotionally tied to that. No, no. You know, I think yeah. that's the number one thing. I tell clients too, like this isn't an art project. This is an investment. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I like that. So for yeah. you, that's what you're doing. You're yeah, dealing don't with get like, emotionally. Yeah. You're you're dealing with people that are just like yeah. And so people always ask that for management. They go, <clears throat> since we, you know we manage all those properties, they go. What's the number one thing? And I go, getting emotional. Then they call me like, this tenant. And I go, oh, exactly. In the drama. I yeah. told you, yeah. three days. He doesn't pay. Send an eviction. Well, he said this. You're yep. being emotional. Well, yep. I know him. He's a friend. Then you shouldn't rent to your friends. I tell people, if you're going to rent to your grandma, your cousin, your uncle, your brother, your mom, if you're not willing to victim, then don't rent to them. I love, I, and I can't believe I didn't think about that, but that's a huge point, Kenny. Don't get close to the tenants. Yeah. Oh, I tell them. It's business. So arm's yeah. length. If they want you to come, if they invite you in for apple pie, no. Tell them that you just keep your business. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're, 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 you're gluten free or whatever. Allergic to apples. They're like, no. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I, no. I was at an inspection oh, in Oklahoma. Gosh, I, I agree. With the sweetest people who are inviting me in for like home cooked food. And what I was do, like yeah. a broker. I'm like, no, I can't even get involved with this. These are yeah. like great people. But yeah. yeah. But you just you it's a business and we all see these these landlords that just get taken advantage of by the tenants. And this is they get too close. And this and is And usually those are the most dangerous and they're, oh, too. They're so nice. But it's ooh. happened too. Like we had a client that we took over his management. The lady his on site manager was like you know, for 20 years, oh, his onsite. She's so nice. She's like, family, it's great. The second he sells the building, she goes and sues him for like not paying her properly. And he ended up having to settle with her for 20 or yeah. 30 grand or something. So it's that yeah. person that was like family and so great and so wonderful. At the end of the day, we're all humans and we are all like, we need to get ahead for ourselves yeah. and not in a bad way, but it's like, you know, he kind of dropped the ball on some things and she saw an opportunity and of course, she took the opportunity, right? So it's yeah. like you kind of have to be careful with those things too, I think. Well, people know, business. Yeah. people forget. It's like life goes on. Like we could be friends, but if you sell a building and you put me in a position where I might financially hurt or somebody's like, hey, by the way, we don't want you as an on-site and I can't get the free rent and I've been here for 20 years and I got to go find a new place and you're putting the stress on me, that that causes people to do things that they have to do to protect themselves. And like just like you said, when you're being emotional with that tenant, it's all good until something blows up. And then what they do is, oh, come on, Chris, come on. You've come in for dinner three times. Yeah. Give me another month, another month. The next yeah. thing you know, it's four months behind. And then they're like, hey, I can't pay you. And then I got to get out. And then you're like, dude, yeah. that dinner just cost me $8,000 like or whatever. Yeah. And that's what people don't get. That's why it's like you got to – it's business, you business, business. Yeah, you got to be friendly with a heart, but you have to be super firm and you have to draw draw Boundaries, line. boundaries. And, you, and another thing to answer your question on what successful owners are doing or, ha- or habits is always raise rents. So I raise that's rents a, yeah, that's a very good every point. single year on these assets. And I'm not at the top of market. But I'm a, I'm I'm close. I'm like right. a notch below. I agree like, with that. Keeping it twenty five or fifty or bucks lower is doing great. Five percent yeah. below. Market. Okay, yeah. so you're doing little inches. That you're just slowly just 
pushing it up. My North Park property rents for 22, 23, and market's probably 24, 24.50. Okay. So a little below. The tenant is not stupid. They see what the comparables are. They know they're getting a it's as expensive, but they're getting a fair price. Yeah. yeah. But they're like, I have to move and pay for a mover, and that's a pain in the ass. But and so it's like, year. it's right there. Yeah. 50 bucks, $75, yeah. whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And the reason is because our expenses go up, and that's just a fact. Totally. So, um, what are you yeah. focusing on right now? As a, are you, as a real estate investor, are you kind of, are you going to start, you think you'll start changing your focus now? Like, if you start buying it, you think you'll go bigger stuff? What's your kind of focus? I'm loving the, the, um, delayed gratification and finally seeing um, solid cash flow. Okay. So that to me, I'll, when I when I grow old, it's like I want to have cash flow. I'm not I'm not the guy who wants, oh, I need to be worth $100 million, $200 million. Great. Be nice. Maybe that will, maybe that will come naturally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's not a focus. The focus for me is that po- that passive income. So I'm just focused on like to, to have your lifestyle with a manager and Vista, uh, Araceli's, I just saw her this morning. Amazing <laughs> woman. Yeah. Um, to to raise rents there, maybe do some storage units because there's a big section of this property. Maybe we, we go to the city and and talk to them about it. So adding value, increasing cash flow, uh, brokerage. I've been getting a little bit more into like I'm interested in coaching and mentoring and helping people, kind of like what we're doing right here, helping people understand. Yeah. Like, this is not just, oh, like, I was lucky, you guys were lucky. This is, like, the real deal it's if work. you can think long-term and be patient. And, yeah, you're going to have to put in the work and deal with tenants and pay bills and have bullshit that you have to deal with. Yep. That's okay. But, like, the tax impl- the tax benefits, yep. the sheltering income. I mean, they're gotten even better that. the tax benefits. I don't know them, but we're talking about that at this I think you're coming to that networking event, but the tax benefits that are now that Trump put in are even more ridiculous if you know. Yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. bonus I'm depreciation. Yeah, talk. there's a bonus depreciation now. Basically you buy a building, you can even write off like any income. It's getting cra- it's basically like when there's a shortage of housing as this guy explained it, they need the, the government says if you make income W-2 of this and that, like this way, we're not going to reward you. But if you're helping us with housing and things like that, you know, that's why oil or all this stuff. We're like incentivizing Oil you. or solar or wind and all this stuff where you're you're helping. Like us going and buying housing is actually helping. And people might th- and think and fixing it up and raising the rents, that's actually helping a community, helping the government. You're rewarded for that. And that's yeah. why this is. Yeah. Go I'm, buy a two, three million dollar house in La Jolla. They're not going to reward you for that. They're yeah, just not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just you're rewarding yourself, you know. So that's how they look at it, you know. And and they and and we see that because now the tax bill, you only get seven hundred fifty thousand. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So it used to be unlimited. Then it went to one one. Now it's seven fifty. There's a reason yeah. why this is because they're like. Yeah. We're not going to give you the five million. You have a five million dollar loan. We're not. We're not going to give you They're the interest. Trying to on stimulate that. the specific sectors. Yep. So, um, yeah, for me, helping clients uh, continue to build wealth, and that's exciting. It's just seeing, you know, taking somebody and helping them do that, and then slowly growing or as fast as I can, I should say, growing my portfolio. So I have a question for you on yeah. that. So, like, as a broker. I've had clients ask the same thing to us too. It's like, so you're you own apartments too. 
how do I know that you're not going to go try to get that deal for yourself instead of bringing it to me when it's a good deal? It could potentially be a good deal for me. Put them in on the spot. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I know my answer, but I want to hear yours. Most of the times, I don't have money. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 That's a good question. That's pretty good. Yeah. When I get the money, I deploy it really, really quick. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And I won't take on a client at that point if I'm in a 1031 exchange that's pending. Right. Or I'm sitting on a You become your client. I'm like, oh, I got to. You become the client. I'm super impatient. I need to buy something in the next four months. I won't take on a client that's looking to do that. Right. It's just a, it's a very clear conflict of interest. That's cool. That's a good answer. Yeah, so I focus yeah. on my own Honestly, thing. Honestly, I never really thought about that, and that's a good answer. And I'll that. still go to my clients who are getting um, – I mean, it's, it's, it's not a fun topic, but they're getting a divorce or somebody died or there's a but, partnership that's breaking up. And why do people these. sell? Divorce? Death, divorce. Par- partner yeah, split dissolution up. Dissolution of uh, partnership. partnership. So partnership. it's it's sad, but that's why you're getting. That's why you get a call and says, "Hey, Chris, I need a list because grandma died, dad died, we're getting divorced, separation." Correct. And the so, D's. so are you do there will always be those. Yeah, and I'm assuming so, too. Sometimes you'll buy if somebody calls you and you have the cash and they're like, "Can you list my building?" Sometimes it might just be a fit for you to buy it too, right? Oh, 100 percent. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times, they, which is easy. I've had clients say, I don't want it on the market because I don't want any of the tenants knowing or whatever. And showing and inspections and all the haggling and the back and forth. People don't want to deal with that always. Yeah. Yeah. So when I have that, that's a good question. When I have the pending thing, I just will, I won't take on a a client who's wanting to exchange or buy an asset at that time. That's cool. I'll only do an exit, a retirement, or a lot of our clients go into single tenant, triple net properties because they they want to go. And and I'm not buying that stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm... too young, frankly. So what do you, what do you, um, what do you feel is going on with the market now? I mean, obviously like, you know, it's, I think real estate in in general, everybody's like recessions coming and this and that, even if a recession comes, I think, you know, we were talking to me, it's, I was thinking it's going to be more in the stock market. Obviously I posted something two days ago about 7 million people are delinquent on their cars. It's not a shocker because the money that was in, um, residential lending just went to subprime cars. <laughs> That's where it went. Like, mm. uh, remember, when a recession comes, it's always the same money. It just moves in different areas. So it moved over to where do we go? Student loans and cars. And between both of those, it's two and a half trillion dollars of debt. You know what you're going to see in the next um, year, two, three years, one to three years, is opportunities in other sectors. But you are I don't think you're going to see a lot of new good deals in multifamily at least yeah. in Southern California. So the stuff here, it, as people don't want to hear this, but it's just going to get more and more expensive. I agree. So values will continue going up. Not not crazy amounts, yeah. but yeah. but it's, it's going to be a steady slope upwards. And that's what we would prefer anyways. Like you don't necessarily want these huge jumps because that creates like this volatility. So as but long as we can take steady steps. value in the deal though. And it's really like people understand that you can still buy a deal and create the value in the deal. Because if you buy 30 units and you're willing to rehab and do all the work, there's going to create value in there because somebody could come along and be like, hey, you know what? I'm a buyer. I'm in an exchange. I don't want to do the work you did. I've got a lot of money. I'm willing to buy that deal because I'm 70 years old and I don't want to deal with the bullshit. I just want to – you got it rent. It's done. It's nice. Thank you. Or a mm-hmm. doctor, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a deal for everybody. I agree. I mean there's like, – I think people say you can still create value in anything. You, you can, can still knock go a- buy an apartment building today in San Diego and pay a big price and make 4 3 4 5%. Yeah cash on cash after you raise some rents and do a little bit of paint and landscaping and make it look prettier or whatever. Mm-hmm. That, that's doable. Yeah. 
that's not super sexy, sexy. but it's still like that's what you're, you're not losing. I mean, this is losing, the thing, no. and that's that's kind of what I tell people because people lose money in the stock market. You don't really lose money buying apartments. I mean, it's just not like maybe you don't get the return that you want in the first few years. Own it a little longer, and you're going to get to that return. Oh, 100%. I mean, that goes back. To, I mean, I, I remember when I was really young, I think my dad even said, like, we, I like apartment complexes because you can go touch them. It's tangible. Yep. You have control. You can go paint it pink if you want, whatever it right. is. You can do that to to capitalize on something and to make more money. Yep. Where I've done some risky – I mean, I've done some some IPO stuff, and I've lost my butt on almost all that. Yeah. Even the guys that did apartments There's that no were trying to build and stuff, they lost their butt. They should like I should have just stuck to apartments. It's just like like you said, you're right, Chris. It's, it's like slow and steady. It's almost like the turtle, the, the, right. the turtle and the hair. But if you yeah. keep at it consistently, you yeah, could be by the, the time winners. we're sixty years old, you probably have a good portfolio, good cash flow, and then you know what? You can do whatever the hell you want. Maybe 100%. you're maybe you're worth hundred million, maybe you're worth twenty million, maybe you're fifty million, it doesn't matter. You're still going to have cash flow. You'll have equity and properties. But the cool thing is, is you have a lifestyle. It's like if you don't have to work, you have a good manager, you can go travel and have fun, and it's it's coming in. It's just a yep. steady – it's like a river. It's just I a flood, Yeah, you know? I don't know what the problem with, with people these days. It's like they want the, G, the G500 the jet or the, the huge yacht, and they have to do these big um, high-risk, high-things. you know things. It's like – that's because not, they because they want to be cool, but it's not going to really make you happy. They like, don't, I don't need a yeah. private jet. They don't understand so. that Mark Zuckerberg is one in a billion. They yeah. think they're going to be a Zuckerberg. Yeah. Like and Mark Zuckerberg. But also too, I think a lot of these people that you're seeing, like for example, the Grant Cardones and stuff, they also people are looking at them today. They didn't see all yeah. the steps they took to get there. I mean, exactly. Grant Cardone is like in his sixties. Okay, like sixty one. He started this like forty for years ago. Yeah. So of course, over time, he's grown. So then you have like a 25-year-old going, I want the jet and I want the, yeah, you know. 30 years. You got 30 years. It's like in real estate, I, you could get there. I, I mean, I think the earlier you start, you could get there if that's really what you want to do. But you always have to take a look at the steps that people took to get there because I think people like that or even like you, it looks really easy. Like, oh, you know, Chris did this and so I should be able to do that. Well, you started in 2006, you know, like this is 2019, and you're still building your portfolio, steadily growing. But and also, too, is like doing my own work on right. this property in the in the barrio. Yeah, literally, I remember demoing a um, walkway, like a big old wood deck thing. Kenny yeah. loves going on the properties and doing yeah. that stuff too. Yeah. But no, but like, you got oh, that was like, rough. But you got to be. But yeah. you got to be yeah. willing to do that. So that's though. why I say delayed gratification. Yeah. Now, right. oh, I don't have to work on Monday and go snowboarding because the powder's really good because I have. These properties that are producing income—it's a no-brainer. Yep. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. And I'm not—I mean, I'm 39, but it's like—I mean, I feel super. I feel young. I feel like I'm 25. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, do that when you're young. Yeah. Take care of yourself. So when you're 60, you don't, don't have to do that. Exercise right. and eat well, and don't drink like a fish, or do a ton of drugs, whatever. And you can enjoy <laughs> it. Right. It's like that nice, slow and steady. steady. So what's next for Chris? Last year was my best year, one of my nice. happiest years, 2018. Why happy? Why is your happiest? Understanding my psychology, understanding uh, my thinking, not being scared of thought, kind of understanding that our experience comes from our thought, our thinking. Mm -hmm. That's been a game changer for me. Getting out from underneath my ego. 
So the ego is this crazy thing that we we feel like we need to prove something or we have to show up and be a badass. And it's really not the most uh, peaceful way to live life if you're always kind of That's trying cool. to like you're kind of chasing something or you're yeah. chasing or you yeah. you're always looking for approval. Yeah. Um, you're in competition or I, yeah. I'm going to show up here and I need to kind of like have an I need to have like an upper edge. Mm-hmm. And at some point I got to this realization that like we're all ordinary I mean, we're special in our own ways, but we're all ordinary people. And if you can understand that, like, you're, we're all, we're, we're, everything's in us already to, for the capacity to do whatever the heck we want and to be as happy as we want. So there is this realization that, um, of getting underneath the ego that's, that's been so happy for me and, like, allowed me to just have a lot more peace. Nice. So that's continuing this year. Um, the, the theme for my year is quality relationships. So like hanging out with people who are deep and they, and we have connection and that's, that's where I'm at. Um, and that goes in the romantic field and Hey now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and buddies, friends, casual, yeah. whatever, you know? So it's awesome. And then work wise, it's like, we already talked about it. Just growing last year was huge. So keep continue doing that and finding opportunities. And, and I want to, buy a big building i was talking to crystal about that yeah so so looking at i've been and one thing that's worked well but i want to do more of is partnering maybe do a bigger deal with um a group of people and fit and doing doing yeah. that as opposed to everything i own now is by myself or with like a partner just yeah. do a big big deal yeah two partners on a couple but i you know like, yeah so i want to buy a 30 40 50 unit yeah and I don't have the down payment to do that by myself, obviously. That's kind of where we're headed to. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just, it's kind of like, a, it's cool as I feel like with us in our lives, it's not that you'd had this before, but we're kind of around the same age. But I understand when I come into work and I hustle, it's like my why is I want to get the best ROI where I'm working to make the most money so that I can put it over here mm-hmm. to keep building this investment vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make, more money to go buy all this crap that I don't need. That's just like literally like all this stuff you don't need to impress people. So I think when you, I think you're kind of saying that you like know your why and it's like, it kind of drives you like to go buy a big building. You're like, I got you like, it, it motivates you. It's, it's, that's what I tell people. Like it becomes addicting to buy these buildings and it's even the big guys. Like why do you do it? Because it's the next deal. It's fun. It's chasing. Yeah. And like, they don't have to, they could stop, but why yeah. would they stop? It's easy. It's fun. Yeah. Especially when you have the money, it's like just throw another deal in the pipeline. It's they have the yeah. setup, they have the management, all this. So for us, I think we're excited that like gets us going when now we're like we did some other investment stuff that we're getting our money back out of, which is a pain in the ass. We kind of very same it thing, off. not fun. Let's no, I mean stop we're that. gonna make money, yeah. but the thing is is yeah. we didn't have control of it and we're like, we could have bought two more buildings and done this, so we're kinda like crap. But the point is is that when we get in this game of multifamily we're buying, I'm like, it's just, you're moving and grooving. It's so fun. It's so I, it's, fun. And that's what people don't understand. Like, it's more fun than buying a nice car and a house and all this because you buy it, you fix it up, it's done, and then all of a sudden you get a check. And you get another check and another check and another check, and the value goes up and there's equity in it, you know? And that's really fun for people who want to live a lifestyle outside of the office. Yes. Yes. And some people like to work and and. and God bless them for that. If that if that's fulfilling and they want to be in the office or my CPA is in the office and in his probably 60s 
and um, you want freedom. Whatever. You're chasing judge, freedom. You're not chasing. I want to work. I want to surf in Bali and and go on my phone Fiji. and Love check that. my banking. Oh, my cash. My yeah. Rent's <laughs> Love that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's freedom. That's, that's winning. That's, that's winning. That's, that's winning. But that's, that's winning. Not everybody. I no. get that. But these these apartment buildings and don't yeah you don't have to reinvent the wheel. No, dude. Like oh maybe there's a better way to do it. Nope. nope. Buy just down and dirty apartment complexes and okay parts bread and butter town, bread period. and butter bread and butter and do that in areas like san diego yep. west coast i i don't know i kind of really generally afraid. try to say stay away from the middle of the country yeah you're probably good you know yeah. you kind of talk to stick. alan nevin right about that yeah. right yeah he'll yeah. tell you he'll give you his map yep. where everybody's he's moving. a smart guy we definitely want to talk to him yeah i'm gonna get him on here alan yeah he's a good guy i'm gonna get him on here or incentive group a few weeks ago yeah I'm gonna call him here. I've got the, I, I saw got him speak book. once at an event. Funny. He's really, really Isn't he smart cool? guy. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, like, hey, he's got a he's, he's got a fun. I love when he's like the way he looks at things is just interesting too. Because what nobody talks about is, and we can wrap this up, but nobody talks about that. I always think about. I tell Crystal is the movement of wealth coming, the movement of the 70, 80 year olds, and all the money that's getting transferred. The wealth transfer he talks yeah. about. He talks about like it's. I think there's. $40 trillion of transfer wealth that's going to happen over the next 20, 30 years from like grandma to this or that. Yeah. And the, but the kids coming up and they're like, and he's always funny. He's like, and they're going to spend every damn penny of it. Yeah. So grabbing their attention, you're going to, they're going to buy houses and cars and apartment buildings and real, they're, are they going to inherit all this stuff? Yeah. And that's what we tell people. Like the people are inheriting apartment buildings now, they're our age. They don't have experience. They don't know what they're doing. They're calling you going, hey, I got this building. Should I sell it? And you're like, if you're if you're just an idiot broker, you're like, yeah, sell and get the money. You're like, no, we should pull money. We should do this. Yeah. Like, I that, always ask, why would you sell this? Right. Right. Remember, oh, okay, well, I want to travel days. the world on my boat. Okay, I get that. Yeah. Sell it. Enjoy your you know life, whatever. Yeah. We just had a client that did that. They didn't listen. But I was yep. just like, and I get it. So. Yeah. Oh, one more thing I was going to add that, yeah. that I, I, don't, I forgot to put on there earlier was – um, and my mentor, Doug Danny, when I was at Mark's Milchat, my senior guy, he always said, live in the valley of your earnings. So for people who are making 300 grand a year or 200 grand or whatever, even if you're making 75,000, live in, live a lifestyle that is below that of your, right. of your income. Right. Cause then you can still have a nice life, but you don't need the Rolex when you're 25 years old, or you don't need the brand new Maserati when you're. 35 whatever but um then you can then you can then you can put that put that equity away or that money and you can save it for a down payment in an apartment building yeah exactly. then you know and if you if you, you have keep your that. head down and somebody said and you just keep fest 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 you wake up at 50 and you're like you want to go buy a house in la jolla you probably can you can take some equity out and do that you want to go have a car a nice that car you want it that's the time to do it but if you do it too early you're gonna, you're gonna miss, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna focus on that crap instead of this stuff. So and we've seen that over and over, and we'll continue to see it, especially where we live here. It's and that's not wrong. It's just different. Yeah, but if you can just kind of ease off a little bit, then you can have a really, really badass life, like t- tenfold, a hundredfold over when you're thirty-five, forty, fifty. You know. Yeah. Well, Robbo, thanks for coming yeah, in. thanks for hanging out. You're welcome. Yeah, that, that was, was fun. Awesome. That was fun. I could do this every day. <laughs> Chris Robinson, Acre Commercial, <laughs> Mission you. Valley. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Epic. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.